0: Welcome to Rare and Resilient One in 5,000 podcast. This week we're doing a special podcast to celebrate World Continents Week. And in Australia, the Continents Foundation of Australia, which I am a part of the Consumer Advisory Committee, are having a promotion called Bins for Blokes. And what we're wanting to do is to promote getting sanitary incontinence bins in male toilets. For this reason, I'm speaking to Wes from Colorado in America, who is a 26-year-old medical student who was born with IA, imperfect anus, and has to deal with incontinence all his life. I think it's important that we talk to someone like Wes, who's had to go through university and schooling and all that, and how he's coped dealing with his incontinence and how important having a sanitary and cotton spin would have been when he was in school and university, et cetera, and in the hospitals now.
1: So welcome to the podcast, Wes. Greg, thank you so much for having me. I want to first and foremost say that what Greg is doing and just raising awareness for everything that we've all been through is amazing. And I'm just so grateful to be a part of, of what he's doing. So I guess just kind of starting off and talking about my experience growing up with an IA and then dealing with incontinence. I remember having to go to our local supermarket and purchasing my own set of pads and, and underwear liners because I was worried about leakages and drippages in, in, in my underwear or my pants. and as a teenager growing up and doing that and a bit embarrassing because a part of me was always kind of worried that i wasn't manly and that i had to buy these pads you know obviously looking back now it was a very silly thought but you know with a teenage boy what can you really what can you really say to him so
0: well it's 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 not silly because i i had the same feeling and i still had the same feeling when i have to go to the supermarket and go to the female sanitary pads section to buy them for myself mate so I can totally understand
1: yes yeah, so, well, well thank you thank you for reaffirming that um so yeah I <clears throat> having that experience and then kind of just having those emotions I I realized how how much it affected my um my sort of self-esteem and but nevertheless I still coped with it as best I could. I had a very supportive friends and family who I could talk to and share this with. Uh, and they would help me out whenever I would have such tough situations or tough times where I wouldn't be able to go get these pads. So with that said, these sanitary bins that we're promoting, I would hope, I, I would think would, would be an amazing idea because it's just something that like, I can maintain my privacy and my peace.
0: How beneficial would it be to have, I mean, the toilets just there, there ready for you?
1: Oh, it would have been so beneficial because sometimes you wouldn't even know what to do with these pads because especially when I think about some public restrooms where your only options are to either flush it down the toilet or kind of have to carry it or hide it in in a ball of toilet toilet paper and sneakily put it in the trash can once you leave your stall. Yes,
0: yes. We've all had that experience, haven't we?
1: Yes. So, yeah, I I think it would be majorly beneficial. And
0: when you were going through the university uh, med school, which I imagine you still are, how did you cope with being in like in a dormitory or whatever situation that would have been challenging?
1: Yeah, it definitely was. I going through university uh, was a lot of sort of the same concerns because I'm in a place where I'm meeting a lot of new people. Having this very brand new experience that was very different from when I was younger, and you know, obviously, when you're trying to make friends, build connections, the last thing you'd want is for them to to see you put on this pad or to see a soiled pad. Um, so it was definitely very difficult, and a lot of what I just said with trying to hide it, trying to keep it someplace where it wasn't seen, was something that I had to think about a lot when I was growing up, um, and even through university. And currently, I, um, I'm, as of right now, I'm not dealing with any incontinence issues. So throughout medical school, it's actually that's actually improved thanks to um, Dr. Bischoff. And so, yeah, I've uh, I haven't had to deal with it currently.
0: So is that due to having um, surgery, or or what did did you have to have surgery to? Are you doing them alone, or? colostomy or just on the bowel management program at the moment
1: yeah so i um i currently have a colostomy um because okay. earlier this year i had a uh, I had a major gi bleed unfortunately um but um yeah because of colostomy right now it hasn't it, it's been a weird weird sort of blessing in disguise kind of kind of ordeal so um yeah i haven't ha- i've have not had to to i've had that colostomy and i have not had to deal with the incontinence
0: well that. It must've changed your life having that. And it would have been a massive um, decision for you to make too.
1: Yeah, it it definitely was. I actually, um, so I had a colostomy when I was younger as well. So, um, a lot of this was very familiar to me. The reason why you had to go back to the bag,
0: do you want to just describe what happened?
1: Sure. Um, I, I underwent an elective procedure and, uh, for whatever reason, um, we're not too sure. I just end up having this sort of major bleed, and just so bad to the point where you know they couldn't really visualize what was going on to be able to repair it appropriately. And at that point, the best, the next best option was to just kind of divert the um, the intestines to my abdomen and then give my lower GI tract a rest essentially and, and let it recover. So hopefully the next few months um, this will be reversed and I'll be back to my original self. A lot of the reasons why it was, I had some of these incontinence issues was um, I had a rectal prolapse with, with the surgery done and everything. Hopefully that that will be resolved once um, I work everything out with the surgeons and everything.
0: Well, thanks for mentioning that because after in two weeks time, I have to go in for my seventh rectal prolapse surgery. So,
1: <laughs> Oh, did you say you're going you're gonna to go into another one?
0: Yeah, this will be my seventh rep- rectal prolapse repairs in my life. I had my first one when I was two and a half. And yeah, so now I'm heading for another one. But that's okay. You do what you have to do.
1: Yeah, well, I wish you all the best. And I wish you the safest of recoveries.
0: Nah, that's great, mate. And how do you go with being a uh, medical student at Are you doing pediatrics or adult medicine?
1: Yeah, um, so currently at this stage of training, we're kind of going through all the various types of rotations. Um, I have not been through my pediatrics rotations just yet. Um, I'm actually on my uh, obstetrics and gynecological rotation at the moment.
0: With your experiences of going through hospitals and all that from such a young age, I'd imagine it means a lot more to you because of what you've been through.
1: Oh, absolutely! It's been the, the sort of driving force for why medicine in in the first place. Um, I remember growing up, I spent obviously spent a lot of time in and out of the hospital. I met a lot of doctors along the way, and it was specifically my interactions with a a lot of the pediatric surgeons that really sort of lit this flame for medicine. And so as I got older, I realized I want to go into medicine. And um, a few years back, I had reached out to Dr. Bischoff to kind of join her on a couple of her projects. And um, she graciously allowed me and working with her and just seeing her passion and her dedication to her patients was really inspiring. And so for me, I, my goal is to one day be in her position and inspire the next generation of physicians, um, whether they, whether or not they have IA, just for them to to be inspired to go into medicine and for them to just be more aware of what the challenges of, of what IA patients go through.
0: Would you like to get into the colorectal field?
1: Yeah. I, I know that I want to go into something surgical. Pediatric surgery has still been on my mind right now. I'm trying to keep an open mind as I explore all these um, various specialties, but you know, every single day I, I still find myself being drawn back to thinking about pediatric surgery.
0: And how do you feel when you, um, see in the Facebook groups and read all the stories about the young kids that are dealing with it now and their families, you know, I imagine it would trigger a lot of emotions for you.
1: Yeah, it it definitely, it definitely does. I, I have a lot of sort of flashbacks of kind of being in and out of the hospital working and, and trying to balance my life and my school and, and just the, the feelings of both, both physically and emotionally with with having something done like an enema or a, or an anal dilator or um, a colostomy bag um, all these things were were a little bit triggering in a sense but also I would say I have a, a weird nostalgia with it too every single time I walk through the children's hospital I just remember all these sounds and smells and noises coming back and it makes me think back to how grateful I am to to be where I am today
0: it's so interesting that recently interviewed a uh, 25 year old female IA adult and she fulfilled her dream to be a nurse
1: that's amazing
0: and that was all because of the care that she received when she was growing up we had this attachment to hospitals and nurses and it's a it's a it's an interesting concept because a lot of people like they can't stand walking into it but I like I, I feel a sense of comfort as soon as I walk into a hospital for some reason I feel safe
1: yeah yeah I I resonate with that completely um I, there's just something about the level of care we at least I received at the children's hospital and just the love that a lot of the staff and faculty have for the, the children that are there You're, you definitely feel very safe and cared for
0: yeah so getting back to the the bins for blokes the sanitary bins what as a someone who wants who's going to be a physician can you see the absolute benefits of something like this
1: oh most definitely because you know at the end of the day we physicians and i mean not just physicians but providers in general we everyone outside of the field kind of thinks that all we all all it is just treating the clinical diagnosis or treating the symptoms and then moving along but there's just so much more that goes into treating a patient and involves um caring for them their life outside of the hospital what their childhood is going to be like growing up what their social life their mental and mental well-being and, and as well as their physical health and so you know i think back to something like these bins and and what it can potentially do for someone's own you Know mental sanity, their own self esteem. Um, I could see, I could definitely see him providing a great benefit.
0: Well, and do you would you, were you, you even in a position where you need to change your colostomy bag like in a public toilet?
1: Yes, I have once, and it was very difficult. Um, kind of just a nowhere to lie, b nowhere to dispose of it because you know you, just, you have to be just so prepared, you know, you have to have your. Your garbage bag carried with you. You have to have all the right tools to cut up the colostomy bag to your appropriate size, um, and it, it's definitely a hassle.
0: Yeah, so it's it's it could not not only just be used for pads and all that. It can be used for bags and other items like that as well, couldn't
1: it? Yes, it definitely could.
0: Growing up, how did you cope emotionally through those early school years when when you realised? our toilet habits are a bit different to others. And and for men, especially like with girls, they start their mental cycles early and all that. So, for, but for guys, like we just don't talk about below the waist or whatever. So did you keep it private or did you share it?
1: Yeah. Um, so it's kind of interesting. I feel like I had, uh, I was somewhere in the middle-ish Um, I remember growing up and, um, a lot of my classmates knew I had something going on. They didn't know exactly what, um, but they would, oftentimes whenever I change in the locker room, they would see my surgery scars for the longest time. I would think, I I thought that they would have, they would make fun of me and that I would just be bullied, but, um, I've been, uh, blessed enough to have had a very supportive, Class of classmates and friends growing up. Um, I was never actually bullied or, or made fun of for what I was going through. Um, but then again, they obviously didn't know the very specifics of everything. So um, there was that. I was actually, um, it's actually more interesting that I felt like I got more, a lot of protection from my family in the sense that they, they really tried to tell me that it was embarrassing to have this bag um, and that I shouldn't show people that I shouldn't tell them I have an IA. Um, to, but to give them some credit, it was because, you know, they're, they're immigrants. They came here from Vietnam and they just didn't, they were just worried about what I would have had to go through already as a, a minority in, in Colorado and in America. Yes. Um, they just didn't want to be bullied. So they always, granted, they could have told me in better ways, but a lot of it came from love. And I know they wanted to just make sure that I wasn't, that I was taken care of. They were just trying so, to protect you. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it was, a lot of it was done to save face, to to make sure that I not only embarrassed myself, I, not that I only didn't embarrass myself, but also I, that I did not embarrass the family as well.
0: Uh, it's yeah. something that a lot of people wouldn't even imagine to comprehend that. Mm-hmm. But what age do you feel like you realize, well, okay, I have IA, my stomach's different to other kids and all that and sort of like got to that acceptance level
1: oh man um i i would say sorry yeah i I would say i i probably didn't get to that point until i i got to college to be honest um when i was around 18 yep and even then um there's still some of like the incontinence issues and potential for future surgical interventions that was still in the back of my mind as well
0: do you talk openly about your ia now or you just only if it comes up in conversation if someone sees your bag or whatever because no one um because so many people have uh, issues like Crohn's colitis irritable bowel and all that that have to Bowel cancers have to have the bags now. So it's not as such a taboo subject as it was years ago.
1: Yeah, um, I would definitely say I talk about it pretty, like, pretty openly. Um, not, obviously, it's not something that comes up in every conversation, but um, when it does, I, I'm very happy and very open to sharing about my experiences and what my medical background is because um, at this point, I would say I'm very comfortable with what I've been through.
0: And is that because of the the profession you've decided to go for to?
1: Yeah, I would I would say the profession I decided to go into because at the end of the day I just view it as as, you know, this is just a medical condition and everyone has some sort of medical condition. So to me, why does one have to be more secretive than the other? Um, and, you know, obviously we're at we're at different stages of our acceptance with this and it's totally okay to feel like you, like you have to keep it a secret at this point. For me, um, I've learned enough about what I've been through and what other people have been through. And um, to me, it's nothing to be embarrassed about, but obviously it was something that I had to build up over the years. And it was thanks to a lot of my friends and family that I was able to get to this point.
0: You got to it a lot quicker than I did. It took me 52 years, mate.
1: Right. I mean, when, when, when reading your book, um, I I, can't, I was trying to just imagine what that would have been like to have had to go through what you go through as well. Because yes, we have this similar medical background, but sometimes our experiences just can just can be so vastly different.
0: Yeah, and it, and it's a different time as well and generations. And one instance I'd like to talk about is I believe that the mental health component of children and adults born with IA has not been addressed anywhere near as much as it should be. So how did, how do you, have you coped from a mental health perspective all your life in different stages?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, huh. While well, going through just school, I, I, you know, reached a point where I had a lot of anxiety um, about uh, concerning just my own stress and, and fears related to, to school and, and my academics and my career as a physician. So what kind of really helped me help pull me out of that that sort of spiraling mentality was was a obviously reaching out to um, friends and family. Now is this is, uh, this, is easy, this is easier said than done um, because, you know, mental health can be a very difficult thing to talk about because you can't even explain sometimes what you're thinking or what's going on. Yes. Uh, so with that said, uh, getting, reaching out to them, um, have, building enough courage to be able to seek out professional help, um, scheduling appointments with with a therapist. Um, I, I had never realized, you know, growing up, I always thought that talking about your emotions was never something that was like I I never saw any benefit in it because it never made sense to me um, until I tried it myself and it just it was just such a relief and and I felt this weight off my chest when I was able to just pour my thoughts and emotions in in a session where I was not judged where I could just um, not feel restricted with what I was feeling so there was that aspect
0: and you and do you think that stems back from the self self-esteem issues of dealing with the ia and being on alert and you know worrying about accents mm-hmm. and such when we we're young
1: oh my gosh yeah um because i, I we think about it sort of like a, a domino effect you have this ia you have this colostomy bag you have to deal with these things on a daily you're not feeling you're already not feeling good about yourself and so view yourself as someone who is not attractive who is not just not, not a good person in general. And so that starts translating into other aspects of your life and starts affecting your academics, some of your relationships. And so even now, um, while I don't necessarily think that, where, where I'm not necessarily like in my mind, I'm always thinking about my IA, obviously a lot of that self-esteem issues when I, that I was dealing with growing up translated even this far because sometimes I find myself doubting my academic abilities um, just because of this sort of negative feedback that I've imposed on myself
0: growing up. I use the expression that I always felt lesser than anyone else. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I found others like me born with IA that I actually felt like a sense of validation. Mm -hmm. How many other IA adults or have you met in your life?
1: Um, You know, I've actually met, it's funny, I feel like i probably met some maybe when I was growing up, but I do not remember. But as of right now, I can remember zero IA adults that I've met.
0: Well, up. You, can add, you can add one to that because now you've met me.
1: That's true. That's true. i met yeah. you, Greg. And, you know, I've I've had an opportunity to just be on the Facebook group and just see all the members and just read about their experiences and what they've been through. And it's just, it, it honestly was so surprising to me yeah. how similar our experiences are and how yeah, many so people there are.
0: I, that's one of the things we do with the adult group. We sort of like, we bring everybody together. And when I add anyone new, I always warn them that they might have go through a flood of emotions when they, and how did you feel that first day when you were reading all the other stories in the adults and all that would, how was the, How uh, are those emotions?
1: I would say I was very overwhelmed because AI, I had wished I had known about or I had had something like this growing up because, you know, when you're a kid and your only your interactions are with other, you know, quote unquote normal kids, you start to feel like, oh, am I the only one with this? And that just kind of sticks with you. And, uh, you know, that granted, I never, my family didn't really know much, they didn't have much English, they didn't really know much about resources outside of the hospital, so um, it was hard for them to even try to reach out to s- potential support groups had there been some back then.
0: If you were giving advice to a five-year-old Wes right now about living with IA and what the future holds, what would you be saying to that little fella? Uh,
1: oh, man. I, I would tell them, don't let this hold you back. It's so easy to tell yourself that I can't, I can't play this sport or that I can't go out and experience this, this type of, of, of journey or, or see or hang out with this type of person um, because, because of what you're going through. But at the end of the day, you know, there's always a way for you to, to work around it. There's a lot of resources and support out there and as long as you find that, you, you'll be able to play anything. You will do anything. I think back to when I had my clothing bag and I tried playing um, American football. Very, very aggressive sport. Family, My family obviously constantly worried about me potentially in, re-injuring something. But I, I wanted to do it so bad. And so I reached out to everyone that I could, saw what I could do to make sure that I kept myself safe and just went for it.
0: That's great. Great advice. Great advice, Wes. And there's going to be so many parents and kids who will listen to this podcast and just feel hope and inspiration by what you're doing. And like you are, you really are inspiring to be able to go into the medical field and considering, you know, I can only imagine the challenges that you face growing up as you say, being from a minority with your parents, having to deal with imperfect anus, you know, it, it would have shocked them. So they must be very proud of you now.
1: Yeah, they, they are. Um, um, they themselves have come a long way. So I'm, I'm just as proud of them too. So.
0: so how do you feel? I've just been watching you and I can see the emotion in your face as we've gone along. So how how do you feel about talking about
1: this today? I uh, I feel I feel very happy, just because I, I think I'm having sort of hindsight twenty twenty vision. Just because I'm kind of thinking back to everything that I've that that I I've been through and what my family's been through, and to just kind of be sitting here in this moment talking to you and sharing about my experiences with with the other listeners and people who are, who were in my position before, um, I just feel so happy and so grateful to be able to, to do that. And, and, um, yeah, that's, that's been on my mind right now.
0: That's good. And I suppose we've probably touched on a few, um, areas that you wouldn't have thought about for a while either, or talking, spoken openly about.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because you know, when every day when someone asks you, you know, what what you've what have you been through when they see my colostomy bag and I tell them an IA, but and then and then they ask what that is and I, I kind of just explain to them and then that's it. I've never really talked about like I haven't had much opportunity to talk about, oh, well, like what was that like growing up? What was the specifics of my my bathroom usage when I was growing up? You know, these these types of things that were just that we take for granted every every day you know going to so be able to use the bathroom in a quote-unquote normal way you know people never really have to think about that but as ia patients it was something that it's, it's literally something that we think about every day
0: yep i can't thank you enough for being so open and transparent and
1: i want to say thank you to you for just giving me the opportunity to have a voice and for giving you know thousands of other people out there with it, to give them a voice So I really appreciate
0: it. It's my pleasure. Thanks again, Wes, for being so open and a part of our Rare and Resilient 1 in 5000 podcast, focusing on the Bins for Blokes campaign for World Continents Week. And what you've been able to share has been so incredibly important, mate. So I can't thank you enough.
1: Greg, thank you so much for having me. I'm truly grateful to be here.
0: It's been a pleasure, mate. Bye-bye.